chapter 8. I trust and pray that something is going to be said on this evening that will minister to you, that may help you in your walk. John chapter 8, and we're going to read verses 1 through 9. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. How many of you know that Jesus is going to teach you? And then he's going to demonstrate what he's teaching. And that is why it is so important that we get down into our treasures. What is being said that we may not only be taught, but that we may demonstrate what is being taught. Verse 3 says, And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. How many also know that more than just righteous people come to church? And some folks just come to point fingers and accuse. Now, Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to, have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Do you know, when somebody is accusing you, it's not, you don't always have to uh, respond. Not at all. That's what folks have come, come to do. They want to accuse you of who you say you believe and want to prove that you don't. So when they continued and asked him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, no, he, they continued, they wouldn't, they wouldn't quit. Persistent. He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. We want to just talk about who is without sin. He who is without sin. Now, my question, and, and I'm looking for some participation. What do you think it means when it says, he who is without sin? Everybody. Everybody. He, pointing out, which one are you? If you clean, huh? Make yourself. 
known. Now, put your thinking caps on. What sins did they commit here? He, he, plainly, he said, he who is without sin, you cast the stone. What sins do you think they were guilty of? Okay. What else were they guilty of? Accusing. Omitting part of the law. Judging. Judging. Anybody else? That's all they was guilty of. Not considering the Lamb of God. Not considering themselves. Misbringing the woman. Does it? Just bringing the woman. All right. That it? Now, I'm going to submit to you to think out of the box of what you're saying. Uh, this is all, this is what we have on what they looked at, but I would say. They were also stealing. Cheating. Come on. Lying. Huh? Being deceitful. Hypocritical, murderers, mm -hmm. 
Huh? Slanderers. Adulterers. Persecutors. Unmerciful. You see where I'm going? Why do I say this? Because it said, he who is without sin. This is all they were presenting to Jesus, but they weren't looking at all that they were doing. Now, here's the next question. What would you say, or would you say we have done anything less today, or have we done greater? The same. Let me ask this. Which sin is greater? They're all the same. Everybody agree with that? Huh? What'd you say? Sin is sin. And we're gonna we're gonna see that. But before that, which sin is greater in God's sight? None of them. They're all sin. Look at 1 John 5, 17. All unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin not unto death. But all unrighteousness is sin. Listen to what... Uh, Albert Burns' commentary said, sin is not deadly and without hope of remedy. Caution. We must not take this the wrong way and think now we have a license of sin. All unrighteousness is sin. And there is one sin which could, be, could not be forgiven. That sin is blaspheming against the Holy Ghost, which we'll address later. But the writer says there are many other forms and degrees of sin. Man sees sin as having degrees, but sin is sin. One sin does not weigh more in God's eyesight than another. In man's eyesight, it does. Stealing in man's eyes is greater than lying. Lying to your mother is greater than lying to your teacher. But sin is sin. 
Does anybody know why man thinks this way? The answer is two words. Flesh and feelings. Flesh and feelings. Where there is flesh and feelings, there are degrees and weight of sin. If you commit sin, there is hope and forgiveness. But again, it does not give you a license to sin. This comes by repentance and prayer made by you. In order for prayer to be heard, you must be one of his. The only prayer that someone that is not his, that God hears, is repentance of rejection, that you may be his, that he may hear you some more. The writer also says, everything which does not conform to the holy law of God and is not right in the view of that law, it is to be considered or regarded as sin. Look at Romans 13, 1 and 2. You know, I thought I was going to have to put a few check marks here on who you, what you thought was greater, but I see the Lord has taught you well. Romans 13, 1 and 2 says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Resisting the ordinance of God is resisting the command. The command what God has ordained or appointed. This means we should regard or observe or consider the government as instituted by God. And as agreeable to his will. When they are established, we should not be agitated about the titles of the rulers or enter into anger, contentions, or to refuse to submit to them. Obviously, this is what took place on January 6th. And what is happening today is because the government has now become corrupt. This God will deal with in his time. Our job is to pray for those in authority, not protest and start an insurrection. You see why it's important that we really stick with the word of God and, and, and stick with what God is saying? Because if you don't, you can get caught up into areas that you have no business being in. But sin also comes with a price. See, sin is committed with the hope of recovery, and the recovery is God's grace and forgiveness. But sin also comes with a price and consequences. Even though God has forgiven, it does not mean man does or will also. If you do something, depending on what it is, your flesh may suffer from it, but it is your soul that God is concerned with. It is the flesh that man is concerned and deals with. 
The commentary goes on to say about the unpardoned sin. As much as we may pity one who has been guilty of such, we should not hastily come to an agreement that it has been committed. We should keep in mind while there is one such sin, there are multitudes that may be forgiven. <clears throat> and for them, it is our duty to pray. The unforgiven is for God to decide and him alone. Look at what it says in Mark 3.29. Mark 3.29, it says, But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation, because they said he had an unclean spirit. When you see someone being used by God, and devils are cast out, people being healed, people being blessed, and other things being done by God. And it does, and it does, and it is done in the name or by the name of Jesus. If you say that it is of the devil, you are walking on shaky ground. It is borderline of blaspheming because you are saying what God's spirit has done is from the devil. Only God can judge and give forgiveness for this. Only he knows if it was ignorance or intentional. To be in doubt and don't believe what you see is one thing. To say it is of or from the devil is another. Be careful. If you don't believe it, don't understand it, let it alone but don't proclaim that it's from the devil. That is borderline, if not blasphemy. But all the other things that we mess up and do, there's forgiveness. But I must emphasize again, it does not constitute you or give you a license to go out and commit a sin with the mind of saying, God forgives. God's going to forgive. You have no idea when your breath is going to leave. And the very state that it, you leave is the very state you'll be when you stand before him. Now, let's focus and close on this. Romans 6.23. It says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Death is the salary or payment of sin. Wages is a payment for labor. Your payment for laboring in sin is death. Here's something to think about. When you are on a job for a long time and you get, a, get good at it, you're looking for a raise. Uh, I deserve this. In fact, the UAW workers are striking for better wages. 
They're looking for more than what they are getting. Who's looking for better wages than sin? Don't want that? If your job is committing sin, it's time to look for another job. We were all born in this sin nature. And it is in the sin nature that we commit sin. But look at 1 John 2 and 1. Just giving you a few things to, to look at, to check out, to meditate on, that you can move into the realm of, I'm not going to sin. Uh, give a good example before we even read this. A little child sees a fire. And they're intrigued by it. And they go towards it. And the closer they get towards it, the warmer it feels. Until they reach out and it burns. Now, it only takes one time for that child to recognize In fact, Afterwards, they will point to you and even tell you, hot, hot. How many times do we have to do the same thing, knowing it's sin, and the consequences that we pay? Well, what, what, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same. You know what? We might, some of us is insane. Because we're doing the same thing God is telling us. We're seeing it. We're still getting it with the same consequences. We have not learned yet that that's hot. Now, 1 John 2 and 1 says, I write unto you that you sin not. Why is he writing? That you won't do this stupid thing you're about to do. We all know that all unrighteousness is sin. And we also know what is sin. And before we do what we do, we already know we ain't got no business doing it. Huh? And if you do what you always did, you're going to get what you always So if I commit it again, I'm going to get the same result. Okay. I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, thank the Lord, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. See, God is, God is going to do it. But Jesus advocated for us. An advocate is one who speaks or pleads for a cause. One who speaks in behalf of another. Jesus is speaking in our behalf. Amen. If you do something wrong and you need a lawyer, I don't think you're going to get Ruby Giuliani. <laughs> huh? Amen. There's all kinds of commercials telling you who to call, mm -hmm. who to get a hold to. Yeah. One is always better than another. But you know what? You better get Jesus as your lawyer. Amen. Huh? He the one that never lost the case. Amen. 
He's the one that can direct you to who you need to go to. One who speaks in behalf of another. And, and that's the other thing. See, Sam cannot speak to God on my behalf. Huh? A priest cannot speak for me because he got to speak for himself. There's only one that can, can stand in between me and the Father. That's Jesus. He's my mediator. He's my advocate. He's my protector. He's my director. He's my guide. Remember what Jesus said. Father, forgive them, for they know, what, they know not what they do. They have no idea what they're doing. But to say this for last, not only has he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, but he has also placed the Spirit of God within me, in me and saying, Tony, don't do it. The consequences ain't worth it. You may think you got away with it. You may have been forgiven, but it's not good for your soul. Don't do it. With that, my time is up. I thank you for yours.